Welcome to the Imago Day Community Podcast. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you. Let's give some love to our online community as they join us. See what you guys are missing? All you have to do is come here. They're ready to love you. Um, no, it's good to be with you today. We are in a series on the book of Hebrews. And as we have been walking through the book of Hebrews, we have broken it into different sections. Today we're entering a new section that really looks at the priesthood of Jesus. Um, we are in kind of our tradition are unfamiliar with what a priest does. Um, Priests in the Old Testament played a very particular role. They stood sort of between the people and God and they mediated that relationship. In other words, they represented God to the people and they represented the people to God. And as we walk through the book of Hebrews, in this section, the writer is going to give us some very specific ways in which Jesus is doing that for us. And so as we walk through this, what I want to do is I want to I take some time and I want to read this chapter, chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the chapter 7 in the book of Hebrews. And I want you just to kind of relax for a moment. I want you to listen to this this passage. He's going to talk about this shadowy figure named Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was um, this kind of very, very peculiar figure in the Old Testament that pops up from time to time. He shows up in the book of Genesis uh, when Abraham encounters this man, Melchizedek, on the way after rescuing Lot, uh, his nephew. And he conquers, uh, he conquers the kings and he's bringing Lot to rescue and, and there is all this plunder that Abraham says he himself is not going to take from the defeated kings. And he meets this person on the way who is a king and a priest named Melchizedek. And so the writer of Hebrews uses this person, Melchizedek, who shows up way before, hundreds of years before Aaron and the Levites and the whole priesthood of the Old Testament. And so I'm going to read this passage, and I want you just to kind of close your eyes and follow along with me. It says, this Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, and he blessed him. And Abraham made him, gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of the plunder. 
Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by the people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has served at the altar, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear, if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless for the law made nothing perfect and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it's not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord is sworn, sworn and it will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of these priests since death prevented them from continuing office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy and blameless and pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, for, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for the sin, their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law points as high priests, men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Amen? <clears throat> so he starts off with this strange character of Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is essentially foreshadowing this foreshadow of Jesus. 
And the writer of Hebrew uses the person of Melchizedek to make his case for the fact that Jesus is the eternal priest. And really in the whole of this book, the writer is saying that God has spoken finally and fully through his son who is both his royal king and our great high priest. These two kind of themes that are combined together in who the son is to us. He is king and priest. And Melchizedek is the person that the writer of Hebrews connects to and says this this is the foreshadow of Jesus, the the one who way back in the book of Genesis also was a priest and a king, who blessed Abraham, who served the God most high, who was without beginning or end. And he compares Melchizedek and uses Melchizedek to make his case for why Jesus can be a priest forever, why there can be this priesthood outside of the Levitical priesthood. And remember, he's writing to a very Jewish audience where he's needing to make his case. We are a bunch of barbarians. Like, it doesn't matter to us. We're like, whatever, I don't care. Um, but, but this is really important to the audience that he writes to. That if Jesus is going to be a great high priest forever, then it doesn't make sense in their mind. And yet, the point that he's making is that ultimately, the, the fact that Jesus is our great high priest means that he offers us a better hope right now. The fact that Jesus currently is our great high priest means that he offers us a hope right now through which we can draw closer to God because Jesus is our royal priest, our kingly priest. I want to talk about four ways that Jesus is that better hope to us. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think about Jesus in terms of his past and his future. Like my faith is caught up in what Jesus has done in the past, that he died for me. He was born and he died and he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he's coming again. But if I'm honest, like today is when I have to live. And so for many of us, I think we fall into this trap that now that it comes to today, today is on me. Like, yes, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and he's coming again. So you're forgiven, you've been given the spirit, you better get it together, because he's coming back, and he's going to be paying attention. Right? And, and, and so what we do oftentimes is we look for things to put our confidence in. Like what are the spiritual disciplines that I can do to put my confidence in? Nothing wrong with spiritual disciplines. They're good things. 
Who are the preachers I can listen to to put my confidence in? The small groups, the churches I go to. And all those things are good things. They're, they're not bad things. But they're only good things because Jesus currently is alive and uses them. Right? So I want to talk about four ways that Jesus consistently today offers us a better hope, a hope that we use to draw closer to him today. The first is this, Jesus is serving you today as your forever um, king and priest by the power of an indestructible life. So like Israel, we are quick to put our confidence in things. For them, it was the law, and the law was fading away. For us, it might be those things like uh, uh, our spiritual disciplines, or a church, or a preacher. And our confidence in faith isn't based on what I have or what I do at all. Our confidence ultimately needs to be based on who Jesus is and who he is to me today. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that today Jesus is to you a priest, one who stands before the Father serving on behalf of you and and towards you on behalf of God. And that he does that by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. Think of it this way, that we put our confidence in so many things that can be taken away. This church can be taken away, right? Your small group can be taken away. All those things that we trust in can be taken away. But, but the thing that can never be taken away is Jesus. That is your confidence. It's the fact that the priest, the one who has secured your faith, who serves you today and serves you forever, is serving you by the power of a life that can never be destroyed. So much in our life feels fragile. So much in this world feels fragile. But Jesus' life is indestructible. And he has chosen to use that eternal life of his to serve you with it. So if you ask the question, who is more responsible for your faith today? You or Jesus? How would you answer that question? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have some responsibility. We do, right? It's not that we're supposed to just be passive or or, uh, blow Jesus off. But the truth is, our job is to always respond to what Jesus is doing. But Jesus is always the one initiating, always the one moving, always the one who is coming after us. He is the one that's working and doing, and we're the one that's just responding to him. Jesus has taken responsibility for our faith. And the reason that you can have hope today is that he will serve you forever 
by the power of his indestructible life. He is your king and he is your priest. That's the first one. The second one is that Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. Now what does that mean? Well, the first covenant was, was essentially, covenant is weird language, it's not language that we're used to, but it's really essential in the scriptures. And the first covenant, the old covenant, was basically a covenant of works. And what it did is it revealed sin. There was all these, these laws that revealed the fact that the human heart needed salvation that there was sin in the human heart. And when we tried to be holy and we tried to obey, what was revealed is there, there was sin in us that we could not get past on our own. But the covenant that Jesus has guaranteed for us is the new covenant. And this new covenant was talked about way hundreds of years before Jesus shows up on the scene by the prophets, prophets like Ezekiel, who prophesied that there would be a day when God would come and he would replace our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And he would put his spirit within us and he would write his law on our hearts and that we would be his God and he would be, we would be his people and he would be our God and he would dwell with us. Jeremiah also speaks of this. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he comes on the scene to establish that new covenant in his blood. The apostle Paul speaks of it as that in this new covenant, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because we are the ones whose Jesus' own spirit lives in and cries, Abba, Father, declaring that we too are God's children. In other words, in this new covenant, Jesus himself shared his own relationship with his father with us. So that as the father loved him, he too has loved us. And the writer of Hebrews says that what he lives now to do is to guarantee this covenant is fulfilled. Right now, he is the guarantor of the promises, bringing to its fulfillment that that covenant will be fulfilled for us. See, you are secure in God today, not because you behaved your way into that. You are secure in God today is because Jesus lives today to guarantee his promises to you. That's why you're secure in God today. That's good news. Amen? Verse 22 says it this way, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. And that covenant was made in his blood. Number three, 
The reason that we have a better hope in Jesus, our king and priest, is because Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I love this one. And it's perhaps the most intimate of all of these, this picture of Jesus himself interceding on our behalf. We know that prayers are powerful and effective, but the picture that you shouldn't have is Jesus sort of on his knees groveling in prayer before the Father because this is a priest who is praying but who is also a king, which means as he intercedes for you, he also intercedes as a king who commands your, his intercession for you. You are secure because you have a priest who is a king who is able to completely save those who come to God through him. See, the writer of Hebrews has a really high view of Jesus. And sometimes I'm afraid that we've lost that. Like we have a, we have a high view of Jesus in the past and we might have a high view of Jesus in the future. But when it comes to today and who Jesus is today, I think many of us have a low view of Jesus. That it's really more about what we do than what Jesus is doing. But what does it feel like to know that today, whatever you're going through, Jesus is interceding for you? That Jesus is interceding for those who you love? That Jesus is praying before the Father, crying out to completely save you? During some of the high school years when our kids were uh, in high school and there were times where I wasn't sure where they were at with their faith and um, wasn't really sure where they were at, period. They just went out the door and I had no idea. Yeah, I'm sure they told me where they were going. I didn't know where they were going. But this was the verse that got me through a lot of those years of parenting, right? You go from this weird time of parenting where it feels like, you know, they're always with you and they do what you say and they have to because, and then all of a sudden they get a car and they go and then they're married and they go and now it's kind of like you're just the guy in the garage that's puttering around and, you know, you're that guy on the sitcom. <laughs> and, and the truth is, like, who is it that is going to save our kids? It's not us. It was never us. But it's Jesus, right? And to know that what he does with my prayers is that he allows my prayers to join, my little prayers to join his big prayers because he desires to completely save my kids and my dad and these people that I love, like he desires that. 
And he is committed to getting the job done. And today, he lives to do this. I love that the writer uses that language. He lives to intercede for those who put their trust in him. And so today, I don't know if you're here and you're feeling insecure. Insecure about your own faith. Insecure about loved ones that you have. But, but the good news of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus, your priest and your king, today lives to intercede for you. And not just intercede for you, but intercede for you with a point to completely save you. And that does more for your confidence and your security than all kinds of spiritual disciplines like a lifetime's worth. And the fourth one, he is uniquely qualified to truly meet our needs. Look at verses 26 through 27. He says, such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy and blameless and pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. He is uniquely qualified to truly meet our needs. There is something about Jesus that is unique because he is fully human. And so he can represent all of humanity in turning humanity back to God. And yet he is also fully God. And that he can represent God in turning God back to us. He is also, because he is unique and the perfect son made perfect forever, the God-man as he serves as our perfect, exalted priest, then he can do the most incredible thing in meeting our needs. A a priest often would make sacrifice in the Old Testament, but this priest becomes the sacrifice. What an act of love that the one uniquely qualified to be the perfect priest, to be the perfect one to serve us, decides to serve us by becoming the very sacrifice for our sins. And it is in his death, and it is in this great high priest whose body is broken, whose blood is shed on the cross, that he is both priest and sacrifice. But once and for all, because of his sinlessness, that there will never have to be ever again another sacrifice for sins. That when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, He said, it is finished 
forever. So today as you come here, this Jesus is alive and is present today, uniquely qualified to meet us in our needs. Whether that is a need of, of a priest, one who can come near to you today, in your insecurity and in your pain, and to pray for you in the Father's heart, to bring you before the Father in prayer. Whether that is if we come today with guilt and shame and our own brokenness of sin, and he comes as the great high priest who is also the sacrifice to pronounce forgiveness over you. Whatever it is that we come with today, the good news is that Jesus is not just the story of a man that died on a cross 2,000 years ago or a hope of a God that will come again, but he is a present help today for all who draw near to God through him. And I wonder today as we prepare to come to this table. Where is your confidence? As you consider, as we prepare to take this bread and wine, and you think about the things that you have placed your confidence in, whether it is your own spiritual goodness or having the right theology or uh, listening to the right, you know, books, podcasts, whatever it is, my hope today is that we would find our security, not in what we do, but we would find our security in the fact that today there is a man in heaven in a glorified, resurrected, indestructible body, Jesus Christ. And he lives today to serve you forever. Which means that he prays for you, that he is fulfilling the promises of the new covenant to you, that he is ensuring that the salvation he started in you, he will completely finish in you, and that every sin that you commit, he is prepared to forgive through his own once-for-all sacrifice for you. And he will pour out the love of the Father through his very own spirit for you today. And so how do we respond to that? And the writer simply says that we draw near to God. That's it. Like that's the whole point. That's the one thing in this entire passage that we're called to do. It's all about what Jesus has done and what do we do? We draw near to God. And I don't know what that looks like for you today. 
For some of us, it might be look like laying down some false confidences and realize that you have put a lot of faith in yourself rather than Jesus. For some of you, it might be starting to believe in the Jesus who exists today, not just the Jesus of the past or the future. For others of you, it may be to take great comfort and hope because that's the whole point of the passage, to find hope that this is our God and he's alive right now and present with us. My hope is that you would leave here today secure that this Jesus is your priest and your king. Let's pray. As the worship team comes, I would just encourage you to take a minute and quiet your heart before God and invite, I want to invite the Spirit just to speak to your heart. And so you can respond to this Jesus who is alive, who is listening, who is paying attention, who knows you. You respond to him now. If you would take the communion cups and we want to remember the Lord together. It really is this amazing story that the priest that we've just been talking about would also decide to become the sacrifice. In John's gospel, it's, it's this uh, great upper room discourse and he is talking to his disciples and he takes the bread and he breaks it. The great high priest and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. The once for all sacrifice where the priest becomes the Lamb of God. We eat this in remembrance of Jesus, our priest. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, the covenant by which I will be dwelling within you, the covenant that I will forever live to guarantee, and the covenant that I will make tomorrow on a cross in my blood. 
And so he said, drink this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the Lord. Pray with me. Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we come to you today. It's a little overwhelming to wrap our mind around the fact, Jesus, that you are literally as good as as the word tells us you are. And so I feel like that uh, man in Mark's gospel, I believe but help my unbelief. Would you pull back the curtain, God, on those places in our heart where we fail to believe, where we fail to trust, and would you allow us, God, to be filled with joy and filled with security and confidence and hope? May the goodness of this news that all that you are, Jesus, as our priest and king, you are to us today. May it fill us this morning as we worship you. Holy Spirit, would you come and pour out the love and the goodness and the faith and confidence of all that Christ is to us today. As people come to the doors to pray, I pray that you would meet us and move powerfully among us. Don't let us leave here without knowing in the depths of our soul that you live today to give us this hope. And so what we wanna do is we wanna, we wanna draw near to you, God, through the most beautiful, glorious, greatest high priest, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.